History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people, and welcome to this eighth episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. We're so glad that you were able to join us for this show. Today's show is the Mysterious Podcast, and we called it that because we have two different mystery homes that we're going to be talking about. Mystery Manor in Nebraska and the Winchester Mystery Home. So stay tuned to hear more about those two locations. Before we get into talking about those two places, though, do want to make sure that you guys check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you need to send us any feedback or want to contact us for any reason, our email address is historygoesbump at gmail.com. We want to thank all of you guys for being such fabulous supporters and listeners of the show. We had a phenomenal inaugural month in the month of October. We had over a thousand downloads of the podcast from just one of our podcast catchers. So we want to thank you guys for that. We have a lot of new stuff going on here. So listen up. First of all, been telling you guys that we're going to do a newsletter. We've got that ready to go. And I finally got a subscribe button up on the website. So head over to historyghostbump.com. It's right there at the top over in the left-hand column. You just need to enter your email address. And then what will happen is you'll get sent another email that wants to verify that you actually want to get the newsletter. You just click on that, that you do want to get it, and you will be all set up on our list. And we'll send those email newsletters out at least once a week. And this is a nice way for us not only to send you some updated information about gatherings and events, but it's also a way for us to reach out and contact people who are not necessarily on social networks and make sure that they're getting a hold of the show. Also want to let you know that the Spooktacular crew has a new group page over at Facebook. We call it a spook group or a spooky group, whatever. What we realized is that on the Facebook page for the History Ghost Pump podcast, if you guys post anything there, it gets lost over in the side column and nobody ever sees it. It's like you go into Facebook purgatory or something. So we wanted to make it so that you guys could share your photos. I know many of you have told us you've gotten pictures when you've gone on ghost tours or what is this? Is it orbs? What do you guys think it is? You have other things you want to share with people, links you want to share. We want to hear about you. It'd be a good place for you guys to chat. So we thought let's go ahead and make a group also so that you guys can do that kind of thing there. Just make sure that you go over to Facebook and I think all you got to do is just put in history goes bump and it should pop up. There are literally thousands of us out here who are putting out content for free on the internet, whether it's artists, singers, podcasters, bloggers, you name it. There's probably millions of people who are putting out their content for free. And there's a lot of us out here who are actually paying to do it. 
And so one of the things that we like to do is support our fellow creators out there. And so first of all, I want to thank Kristen Lawrence. She makes some fabulous music and she is agreed to let us use her music anytime we want, which is a fabulous thing. So make sure you check out her tunes at HalloweenCarols.com. If you guys have heard our promo for the show, it's her music that plays in the background. We also use some of her music on the Poe Show podcast. And if you are on any of our social networks following us, you may have noticed in the past couple days that we have popped up a new logo. This new logo was designed for us by Thomas Barnett. He is a cartoonist extraordinaire. Tom is a great guy. I have known him for years. He used to be a broadcaster as well. And remember when we were just getting started with all that stuff. And one of the really cool things he did for me when I was on the Freedom's Wings Politics Show is he did this logo for me. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool. And he did it for nothing. And I, I, you know, people just don't do that kind of thing out there. Well, he did it again for us here at History Goes Bump. And if you've seen the logo, it is awesome. I mean, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. It's exactly what I was hoping to have, but I didn't have the talent. So our logo looked pretty boring. And Tom has just taken it to a whole new place. So we definitely want to thank Tom for doing that for us. And we want to make sure that you guys check out some of the stuff that he's got going on. He has a fabulous little comic that he's been doing for quite some time. It's called Little Meisters. And that's L-I-L-M-I-E-S-T-E-R-S dot com. Little Meisters dot com. And usually we're advertising our Patreon page, but today we're going to be advertising Tom. You can check him out at patreon.com forward slash Thomas Barnett. And that's B-A-R-N-E-T-T. So if you have a couple extra bucks, you can throw them his way. He has a lot of neat little rewards that he has set up there for people who are patrons of his. He's a great guy to contact. I know we have writers who listen. If you need illustrations, Tom is great for that. If you need a logo design, I can tell you. I know for sure he's good at doing that kind of thing. Or if you just really enjoy the cartoon, which is very family friendly. That's what I like about Tom's stuff. It could be read by kids and adults and everybody will enjoy it. It's very Disney-esque in that way. Head over to Patreon and and give him a little bit of support. I know he would appreciate it. I would appreciate it as well. And me too. (laughs) So, Denise, I know how much you love creepy stuff, right? Yes, indeedy, I do. Well, I have here a list of the 14 absolute creepiest places to visit in the United States. Want to hear about them? You know that. Well, why don't we go ahead and share it with our audience? The first one up is the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Mutter Museum of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia is home to two floors full of preserved human specimens on racks, in glass cabinets, in jars, and a number of medical tools that look more like torture devices. Included among the museum's vast array of fascinating, disturbing, and sometimes scary items are a nine-foot human colon and a corpse called Soap Lady. You'll figure out why when you go. So apparently we need to go to this museum so we can figure that out, Denise. Yeah, that seems kind of creepy. I don't know that I want to go there seeing how that one like living dead bodies where they put them in motion thing. I've never had an interest of going. What's that thing called? I think it's called Body Wars or something. 
Yeah, no thank you. And number two, we actually will be covering today, and that's the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. We're not going to say a lot about that now because we will be covering a lot of its history on the show. Then there's the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, later called Weston State Hospital, which is obviously a lot more preferable to Lunatic Asylum... (laughs) is an inactive hospital and sanctuary for the mentally ill that was in operation between 1864 and 1994. The hospital soon suffered from overcrowding and poor sanitation. Patients that could not be controlled were often locked in cages. Due to the real suffering experienced by people who lived and were treated at the facility, and due to reports of strange sights, voices, and events, many believe the building to be haunted. The facility now hosts overnight ghost tours, which run for about a hundred bucks. Now that would be an interesting ghost tour, although it always seems like you know the the hospitals for the criminally insane or the things that they did. They always seem to end up haunted, back with the archaic ways of doing things. So that could be very creepy. Well, not only that, Denise, but as we've been studying history, especially when it comes to these asylums, you come to find that a lot of people that were put in these places didn't belong there. Not only Did they not understand some of the mental illnesses that we understand now? But a husband, if he felt like his wife wasn't doing her wifely duties, could have her locked up. Don't get any wise ideas. (laughs) Next, we have Bachelors Grove Cemetery, Chicago suburbs, Illinois. Hmm, we might have to visit that one on our road trip next year. The abandoned, fairly small Bachelors Grove Cemetery contains just 82 plots, many of which are unoccupied. The cemetery's first official burials began in 1840. Over 100 years later, in the 1950s through the 1970s, reports of hauntings in the cemetery reached an all-time high. Witnesses have reported seeing a phantom farmhouse, a two-headed ghost, Figures dressed in monks' robes, a black dog, and a woman in white. Number five is the Velisca Axe Murder House, which you should all be familiar with because that was podcast number seven. As you will recall, on the morning of June 10th, 1912, the Moore family, two parents and their four children, as well as two house guests, were found bludgeoned to death, presumably the night before. Investigators determined that the murders had taken place between 12 and 5 a.m. with all the victims but one asleep at the time. Lena Stillinger, one of the guests and friend of the Moore children, was found lying crosswise on the bed and had a defensive wound on her arm. Though several suspects were named and tried for the crimes, the case is considered unsolved. Today, the house offers ghost tours as well as overnight stays. Next, number six, the grave of the female stranger in Alexandria, Virginia. This one, too, should sound familiar if you've been following our podcast. The legend of the female stranger is one of Alexandria's, if not the nation's, most creepy, as well as one of the least understood. In 1816, a 23-year-old woman died and was buried by her husband under total anonymity. The young couple had only landed in Alexandria a few months earlier, coming ashore from the four sons, which diverted to let them off ship because the young wife was very ill. From the moment they stepped foot on land, the young woman wore a thick veil. The couple rushed to the town's largest tavern. A physician was called, but was made to swear that he would never reveal the woman's identity. Two women who were also houseguests at the hotel, who acted as the ladies' nurses, made the same promise. Each kept their oath when the lady died. Her husband buried her himself so that nobody might see her face. To this day, no one is sure who she was, though many have said they've seen her wandering the area. Number seven is the Museum of Death, 
Los Angeles, California. The Museum of Death, founded in 1995, is not for the faint of heart. I would think not if it's a museum about death. According to its website, the museum features the world's largest collection of serial murderer artwork. Photos of the Charles Manson crime scenes, the guillotine-severed head of the Bluebeard of Paris, Henry Landrieu, original crime scene and morgue photos from the Grizzly Black Dahlia murder, a body bag and coffin collection, replicas of full-size execution devices, mortician and autopsy instruments, pet death taxidermy, and so much more. But wait, there's more. (laughs) That sounds like a sick commercial. And that sounds like a sick place to go. That's not one I think I'm going to put on my list. And number eight which we will be covering later on this month and is near and dear to our Coloradoan hearts, the Stanley Hotel, Estes Park, Colorado. Made famous by Stephen King's The Shining, the Stanley Hotel was built in 1909. It has 140 rooms. Many believe the hotel to be haunted. Of particularly high spook factor seems to be the infamous ballroom. When the crew from Ghost Hunters investigated the hotel, they were able to explain many of the seemingly paranormal incidents they and others encountered, but found strange experiences in the ballroom to be unexplainable. Bolstering the hotel's haunting credibility was a 2013 decision to dig up a pet cemetery next door. And as everyone knows, disturbing a gravesite, no matter what's buried there, is one of the top ways to provoke ghosts. They said Stephen King made the Stanley Hotel famous. He also made pet cemeteries pretty famous as well. I'll never forget Gage coming back from the dead. Number nine is the St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans, Louisiana. I think we covered this on one of our other shows, too, when we were talking about um, some of the worst, creepiest cemeteries. The St. Louis Cemetery is the name given to a group of three Roman Catholic cemeteries in New Orleans. The cemeteries are unique for their above-ground vaults, most of which were constructed and laid there in the 18th and 19th centuries. Many notable people are buried there, but none inspire more spooky stories than Mary Laveau, the voodoo queen of New Orleans. It's said if you knock three times on the ceiling upon the tomb to wake her from her slumber, mark the tomb with XXX and chalk or brick, And knock three times again, she'll grant your wish if you leave her an offering. But as we all know, magic always comes with a price. She's been watching Once Upon a Time too much. Never, never too much. Number 10, Clinton Road, West Milford, New Jersey. Clinton Road has been said to be the most haunted road in America. Drivers along the 10-mile stretch have reported everything from strangely dressed wanderers to ghosts to evidence of satanic rituals to phantom trucks that chase them to its end. The strip of road also features, naturally, a dead man's curve. Take extra caution at the Ghost Boy Bridge. It is said that the spirit of a little boy who lives underneath it will do his best to draw you into the water and never let you out. Number 11, Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Louisville, Kentucky. The Waverly Hills Sanitarium opened in 1910 and was intended to house 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. But a tuberculosis outbreak hit Jefferson County soon afterwards, spurring construction of an expanded hospital, one that could hold over 400 patients. Once the antibiotic used to prevent tuberculosis was invented, there was little need for the hospital and it closed in 1962. While urban legend holds that over 63,000 people died at the sanitarium during the time it was in operation, average death rates for the hospital suggest the total number would be closer to 8,212. Still, the sanitarium has gained a reputation for being one of the most, if not the most, haunted places in the United States. 
The building offers tours and opportunities for paranormal investigation. And I think I've seen Ghost Hunters there. Ghost Adventures has been there. I've heard lots of different podcasts about this place. Everybody who goes experiences something. Next, we have Limp Mansion, St. Louis, Missouri. That comes in at number 12. The Limp Mansion was home to the Limp family, whose William J. Limp Brewing Company beer grew to dominate the St. Louis beer market and earned the family a substantial fortune. Tragedy struck the family when William's favorite son, Frederick, died mysteriously in 1901. William shot himself three years later. His son, William Jr., took over, but the brewery business began to falter and the arrival of the Prohibition era ultimately forced the plant to close. William Jr.'s sister Elsa committed suicide in 1920. Two years later, the brewery was sold at auction and William Jr. shot himself too. Many years later, William Jr. and Elsa's brother Charles would also commit suicide by gunshot. The immense amount of tragedy that took place in the mansion has contributed to its haunted reputation. The house now operates as a hotel, restaurant, and event venue. Have you ever heard of that many suicides happening in one family? I mean, literally, they all killed themselves, except for the mother. Number 13, the Lizzie Borden House in Fall River, Massachusetts. In 1892, Lizzie Borden's father and stepmother were murdered with an axe. Though the case remains technically unsolved, Lizzie is widely considered to be the one responsible for the murders. She was said to have behaved erratically during questioning, offering contradictory versions of events, and remaining curiously poised and calm. It's also said that she burned a dress in her oven a few days after the murders, though she claimed it was only because she'd gotten paint on it. I don't know that I've ever burned something in the oven because I had paint on it. The only thing I've ever burned in the oven is your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie was tried and acquitted. Nobody else was ever charged for the murders. Lizzie moved to another house after the trial, remaining in town for the rest of her life, despite being ostracized by the Fall River community. The house now operates as a bed and breakfast. Yeah, that's not a bed and breakfast I think I'd like to be staying at any time. Number 14, the St. Augustine Light House in St. Augustine, Florida, another location we've been to. I'm starting to see a trend here. Built in 1874, St. Augustine Light is the name of the active lighthouse at the north end of Anastasia Island in St. Augustine, Florida. The original building, established in 1824, was the first lighthouse built in Florida. That building crashed into the sea in 1880 due to a coastline erosion. The collapse had been anticipated, though. Construction on a new building, the one that stands today, began in 1870. Many visitors to the lighthouse have reported witnessing paranormal activity, including shadows and voices. People have also reported seeing two young girls standing on the lighthouse catwalk. The girls are said to be the daughters of the man who was superintendent of lighthouse construction during the 1870s. Both drowned in an accident that took place during the building of the second lighthouse structure. The lighthouse offers dark of the moon tours that included guided paranormal investigation of the premises. The scariest thing about this lighthouse to me was climbing all those stairs and being up that high. Yes, so Miss Diane, who loves everything spooky but is terrified of heights, one day surprised me by taking me up to a different lighthouse. Um, I guess she didn't realize that part of a lighthouse tour included climbing up it. And now that's become another passion is to go visit lighthouses and climb to the top. So how the girl who's scared of heights got me into that, I will never be able to understand. And that list was brought to us by BuzzFeed and the author was Katie Heaney. So that was the 14 absolute creepiest places. Perhaps you think something else should have been put on the list. 
Let us know either in the comments under the show or send us an email. We'll share it with everybody else. Welcome to this moment in oddity history. Today's moment in oddity. Robert the Doll. Robert Eugene Otto was given a doll in 1906 from a servant of his family when he was a child. The doll wore a sailor's outfit and had small, beady eyes with an expressionless face. The doll was meant to resemble Robert Eugene Otto. The servant disliked the family and practiced black magic and voodoo, and it's believed that he cursed the doll. Eugene's parents told stories of hearing Eugene talk to the doll and then hearing a different voice answer Eugene back as if the doll could really talk. Neighbors reported seeing the doll look out of windows and move about from window to window and claimed they heard weird giggling when no one was home. Eugene died in 1974 and the doll was relegated to the attic until another family moved into the home in Key West and a young girl took ownership of the doll. She soon was waking up in terror at night, claiming that the doll was trying to kill her. Robert the doll now resides in the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West. People claim to see the doll's expressions change and the doll seems to hate to have its picture taken. When people snap pictures without asking him for permission, People claim to feel cursed, and the display area around Robert is covered with notes of apology as people attempt to erase the curse. So is this doll really alive, or just the object of superstition and overactive imaginations? Whatever the truth may be, the doll is certainly odd. Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. We would greatly appreciate your review at iTunes as well to help the show grow. Thank you. This Day in History On this day, November the 5th in 1605, a plan to kill King James I of England was supposed to unfold. England's parliament was to open on that day, and the plot included blowing up the House of Lords. If successful, the bombing would not only have killed King James, but many members of the monarch's family and the Privy Council. The plotters met in taverns for several months to finalize their plans. Robert Catsby was their leader, and Guy Fox was given charge of the explosives. The plot was foiled when an anonymous letter tipped off the authorities. A search was made of the House of Lords, and Fox was discovered where he was guarding 36 barrels of gunpowder, enough to level the House of Lords. Fox was arrested, as were several other conspirators. Catsby was killed in a battle a little while later. Fox and the others that were arrested were tried and ordered to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. The thwarting of the gunpowder plot has been commemorated ever since with the ringing of church bells and the modern-day bonfire night. There is a haunted house attraction in Nebraska that is commercially called Mystery Manor. But this is not some warehouse that has been converted into a bunch of rooms designed to scare teenagers to their core. Mystery Manor was a home at one time. First, let's get the legend out of the way about the Hall family. So if you put Mystery Manor into Google, you're going to get this story that comes up. And there's a lot of people that I think believe that this is a true story. Because anytime I've asked them about Mystery Manor, this is the story that they've told. Any website you go to, this is what they tell about Mystery Manor. But it's a legend. I haven't found any proof that this story actually happened. 
So take this with a grain of salt and know that if you go through Mystery Manor, the haunted attraction, this is the theming that they have going on. The year was 1887 and William Hall had paid for a home to be built for him and his wife Greta in Sharpie County in Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska had become a state in 1868 and the year 1887 found the state embroiled in a controversy due to the sensational hanging of William Jackson Marion for murder. Now, what we're about to tell you here. This is true. This would be a case that would bring public executions under scorn and lead to Nebraska adopting lethal injection for dispatching criminals. Evidence was circumstantial against Marion, and the entire state was paying close attention to the trial. A guilty verdict was given, and Marion was hanged until he was, quote, dead, dead, dead. The proverbial cow poo hit the fan four years later when the man that Marion was accused of killing was found in Kansas alive and well. Now, getting back to the legend, we imagine that the elite of Omaha probably discussed this controversy for years following the hanging as they gathered in Hall Manor, William and Greta's fabulous home. Little did any of these people know just how dark the lives of their hosts would turn one day. William Hall was a very wealthy man, and much of his money was invested in the stock market. On October 23, 1929, a day that became known as Black Tuesday, the stock market suffered an unparalleled crash that caused millionaires to become paupers overnight and led the nation into the Great Depression. Many men threw themselves from windows and killed themselves in various other ways over the shock and loss. William Hall was one of the men who lost everything in the crash, and then he lost his mind. As we discussed in our podcast on the Velisca Axe murders, Axes as murder weapons were not unusual. They were a weapon of convenience. William had an axe, and he was going to use it. Greta had no idea what William had planned for her. In his rage and insanity, he took his axe from the shed, and in a frenzy, he killed Greta, chopping her body into multiple pieces. The next morning, after realizing what he had done, William gathered up Greta and placed her in a grave at the front of the home. Somehow, Greta's brother, John Martin, found out about the murder, and a week after Greta had died, John showed up at Hall Manor and found the axe William had used. He turned the axe on William and killed him in similar fashion to the way his sister was murdered. John dumped William into the same shallow grave as Greta. The reason the name Mystery Manor was used for the haunted house attraction is due to the quote-unquote mystery that seems to have taken place after John had avenged his sister's death. He was found dead with an axe buried in his skull and no murderer was ever found. Legend tells the tale that William Hall came back as a ghost and did away with his brother-in-law. This is the story that the attraction tells. The real mystery about this place is the truth about its history. During the time that William and Greta were supposed to be living in the house, according to the legend, the place was serving as housing for the Union Pacific Railroad, a bordello in the early 1900s where the madam was murdered along with her son and as a tuberculosis hospice from 1910 to 1916, where 296 people died. The house was then broken up into apartments until it fell into disrepair and became condemned. In 1983, it was bought by Wayne Seeley and converted into the haunted attraction that it is now. There was a time when the home was a private residence before the brothel, but as to who owned the house, we do not know. So what is the truth about Mystery Manor? Many years have passed, but the evidence of hauntings at the building leads many to believe that several spirits are at unrest. A woman in a blue dress has been seen on several occasions by people going through the haunted house attraction. They believe she was an employee until she either disappeared or they were told that no one fitting the description worked at the house. Investigators have felt a very dark presence that seems to hold power over the other ghost residents. A paranormal investigation group out of Kansas City named Elite Paranormal conducted an investigation at Mystery Manor and they collected EVPs saying words like can't, behind you, you're wrong, and you frightened. 
People also heard tappings on a trunk in one of the rooms. The business office on the main floor is known to have a lot of activity, which includes a feeling of being watched and people are sometimes touched. A few years ago, a dead cat was found in the ceiling of the second floor. The owner, Wayne Seeley, went to get a garbage bag to put the cat inside, and when he returned, the cat was gone, leaving only the imprint of a cat's body in blood. The stain is still there. The attraction is full of props and machinery, all of which turn themselves on and off or move around. A psychic claims that a woman named Claire, who had worked in the brothel, is present in the building. Wayne Seeley's son, Mark, who manages the attraction, has said the building has stuff happen all the time. Every once in a while, we'll find the teddy bears from the child's room lined up here on the stairs. They just get put there. We think the ghost uses this almost as the house is lost and found. If someone loses a baseball hat the night before, we'll find it here. Omaha is considered one of the most haunted cities in Nebraska. Is this location one of those haunted places? That is for you to decide. Now join us as we move further west to San Jose, California, to introduce you to probably the weirdest home ever built. William Wirt Winchester lived from 1837 to 1881, and his father Oliver established the Winchester Repeating Firearms Company. William was a part of the Winchester Company for his entire life. The company designed the Winchester rifle and its various models, and these became known as the, quote, gun that won the West. William married Sarah Lockwood Party in 1862 and died from tuberculosis in 1881. After William's death, Sarah moved to California with her sister, and in 1886, she bought an eight-room farmhouse. Sarah was very superstitious, and she felt as though she were cursed, and she sought answers from a medium named Adam Coons. He confirmed Sarah's fears and told her that she was being haunted by the spirits of the people who had been killed by Winchester rifles. Coons directed Sarah to make the move to California, and he told her to build a home for her and the spirits, and he warned that if she ever stopped building the house, she would die. Sarah was very wealthy, and she used her fortune to begin renovations on the farmhouse. Then she started adding rooms. She instructed anyone working on the house to continue building 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The house grew to seven stories with the installation of an observation tower, but after the 1906 earthquake, the house was lowered to four stories when the tower toppled. The front area of the house was badly damaged, and Sarah had the entire front portion of the house sealed off because she thought the spirits were angry with her since they did not protect the house nor her from the quake. She herself was trapped for several hours in her daisy room after the earthquake. The grand ballroom was one of the rooms sealed off, and it was built almost entirely without the use of nails and contains two leaded stained-glass windows with mysterious quotes from the work of Shakespeare. No official plans were ever drawn up of the Victorian-style house, and the foreman John Hanson followed Mrs. Winchester's plans rather than common sense or his own expertise over the years, causing chaos. The chaos is revealed in the staircases that lead to ceilings, doors that open up into walls, and windows that face walls. One staircase goes down for seven steps and then rises for eleven steps. The number 13 shows up in a variety of ways, from 13 panes and windows to 13 ceiling panels, and the rooms to 13 steps in many of the staircases. Five and a half million dollars was spent in total on construction. We've discussed in previous podcasts the lore about mirrors and how spirits fear them as objects that could entrap them. Sarah had only three mirrors in the immense mansion to appease the good spirits. It is thought that Sarah may have used the weird layout of her home to confuse the evil spirits, but others argued that the weird layout was simply from unplanned construction. Whatever the case, the house is weird. Sarah died on September 5, 1922, and the construction immediately stopped. But Sarah did not leave the home after her death. She reportedly haunts the home. 
Brent Miller was caretaker of the home from 1973 to 1981, and he heard breathing and footsteps in the room that Sarah Winchester died in. A friend of Miller's caught a picture of an apparition in coveralls when he came to visit. Another caretaker turned off all the lights and locked up one night, and when he got into his car, he glanced at the house and saw that every light on the third floor was lit. Unused kitchens sometimes give off the scent of a warm meal, particularly chicken soup. Paranormal investigators report feeling icy spots, organ music, orbs, locked doorknobs turning, and moving lights. There is no doubt that the house is unusual, but is it haunted? That is for you to decide. And if you want to find out more information about the Winchester Mystery House, we do have a link up in the show notes. They do give daily tours, and they do offer overnights as well. This is something new that they just started doing. So if it's something that you're into with paranormal investigation, the Winchester Mystery House is now open for that. And speaking of paranormal-type investigations, you all know that we love to do ghost tours. Denise and I are heading off north to Georgia. We're going to be in Atlanta over the weekend, and we plan on doing a ghost tour up there. So expect our next podcast to be on one of the locations that we go to up there. So we're calling that Somewhere in Georgia. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Again, we want to thank all you guys for all of your support. If you like the show, make sure you share it with your friends, family, and on your social networks. That's the way it gets out there. And if you have a few extra minutes and you listen via iTunes or Stitcher, we'd love to get your reviews over there. We've got, I think, about three of them up on iTunes right now and one over at Stitcher. We'd sure love to get more of them. It just helps give us a little bit more visibility. We want to thank you guys for joining us this evening. This has been Diane and Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Be sociable, drop the chain rattling, neck biting and shape-shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us.